This is Mind Wars. I'm Chris Ryan, and on today's show, I'm delighted and honored to have Dr. Sherry Tenpenny. Sherry, how are we doing today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. No problem at all. Busy as always, like most of us. Um, what I want to get to basically is obviously the question, like I know you've been covering, and I know you've done seminars and all sorts of things, and especially the last month to two months is a question that's on obviously everybody's lips is we won't even use shedding the transmission of what is going on at the moment. Is there something there? Is there not something there? Because the amount of things that's going wrong, especially in women, I know there's some cases in men as well, in large testicles and so on and so on, but especially the women, it's menstrual cycle area and having serious, serious issues of what is going on at the moment. Can you enlighten us as to what is going on or what is the most up-to-date where you are and the team you have around you as far as research goes on this at the minute? Well... <clears throat> We started talking about this three, three weeks ago. And so it was actually, I was actually the first person that started talking about it when we had what we've now been called the five doctors, the five doctor calls. It was me and Dr. Larry Polevsky, Dr. Christian Northrup, Dr. Lee Merritt, and Dr. Carrie Madej. And we, uh, we, this all got started because our marketing, a person that's inside of um, um, Millions Against Medical Mandates is, one of, is the marketing person that they had had over 11,000 reports on their Instagram page of women reporting of these menstrual cycle irregularities. So and these ranged from postmenopausal women who started to bleed to women in their 20s, 30s, and 40s who had had clock, um, menstrual cycles that were regular as clockwork that suddenly they became really irregular with, with spotting or with heavy bleeding or passing lots of clots that they'd never done before, all the way down to women in their 20s that were having very heavy bleeding. We even had reports of children having vaginal bleeding. And one uh, report of, 11, um, of a 22-month-old little girl who started bleeding and was passing clots the size of small eggs. And, you know, we've had reports out of the UK of women that were in so much pain, that were in so much pain from um, what they were doing, uh, from so much pain from these clots and what they were passing called uterine casts, which mean the clot gets sort of um, calcifies. And as it's passing out, it's hard and it actually rips off some of the inside lining of the uterus. That uh, This one report we had of a woman who was in the hospital for something completely different, but was hearing all of these women coming in and they were moaning in so much pain and some of them were in so much pain, they were begging the doctors to do a hysterectomy on them because they were in so much pain. And so it's, at first we were talking about, we still are, that what's happening is it's, it's this, these episodes are happening in women who have not had the shots, but who have been around people who've had one of the shots. And so I coined the term, and it's rather gone viral everywhere, that this is not shedding because Shedding is when you shed a live virus and someone contracts the same infection. And that's been known in the vaccine industry for a long time. And I use the simple example of the chickenpox vaccine. The chickenpox vaccine is a live virus where the virus has been attenuated or weakened. When they inject it into your body, some of those viruses reactivate and become actively infective pathogens. And then if I breathe or cough or on someone else, that that whole live virus can then be shed to the next person. And if that person is susceptible, they contract the infection, which is chickenpox. They don't get the measles. They don't get mumps. They don't get shingles. They don't get rubella. They get chickenpox. So that's shedding. I, I shed that pathogen and someone gets the same infection. This is different. First of all, we're not injecting live viruses at all. We're injecting particles that are either embedded in a lipid coating or there's a DNA particle, double-stranded DNA particle called a transgene that is embedded inside of an adenovirus shell. So we're, there's no live viruses there at all. And when something gets transmitted to the next person, they don't get COVID. And COVID, you know, is the symptom complex. The, the COVID is, is um, the symptom complex of fever, cough, um, shortness of breath, sometimes loss of smell, sometimes loss of taste, difficulty breathing, tightness in your chest. That's COVID. 
Well, what this transmission is doing is blood clots, bleeding, menstrual irregularities in men, swollen testicles, rashes over top of their scrotum, inability to, to maintain an erection, um, some blood clots, terrible headaches, some shortness of breath. So whatever is passing from one person to another, number one, it's not a live virus, so it's not shedding, but something is being transmitted to the next person that is contracting super irregular things. And so we started talking about this, the five doctors we, we, we call ourselves now, because that's what everybody else is kind of calling us. So I guess we kind of took the name. Um, it was um, two, two, three and a half weeks ago. And, and that whole video that we did, that we were talking about it, went super viral. And now everybody's talking about it because everybody is experiencing it or they know someone who is experiencing it. And the problem is, the problem is, Chris, is that we've, we've barely been, we've just started talking about it. So we don't really have specific answers. And the people want to know, what is it? How do I stop catching it? What do I do to protect my family? What do I do to get rid of it? You know, once it's gotten into my body, because here I thought I was going to, I was playing the, the safety card by not getting one of these injections. And so all those crazy people over there, they're the ones that are going to get sick, die and whatever, and I'm going to be okay. But now am I going to be okay? Did I get something from them? So those are the questions of the hour. And as of right now, today, as we're doing this podcast, we don't really have answers to that. We're pretty sure we think it has something to do with the spike protein, which all four of the approved shots that are, that are widely used are the Johnson & Johnson and AstraZeneca shot because they work similarly, the Pfizer and the Moderna shot because they work similarly, but all four of them, the, res the, the purpose of the injection is to manufacture a spike protein and an antibody to that foreign protein. So they all, they do it from different directions. They, it's like um, all, lo all roads lead to Rome. And so you can get to Rome from different directions, but the ultimately you end up in Rome. So what we're doing with these shots and the same is for a couple of the, the like the Sputnik shot and another one that they're using in, um, in a couple that they're using in India. Right now where we are with what we know is all roads lead to creating spike proteins and antibodies to spike proteins. That spike protein can shed, it's, it can cause eight or 10 different types of serious health conditions. The antibody itself we think is too big to shed. We think that maybe the messenger RNA in the lipid coating, you know, if it doesn't bind and adhere to your cells, once 50 billion of those particles are injected into your body, perhaps that whole thing is shedding and that's something that's getting into your body. The adenovirus from the Johnson & Johnson shot is a human adenovirus. The adenovirus from the AstraZeneca shot, it comes from chimpanzees. That perhaps that's because it's, a, it's an, a virus with known receptors in the body. Perhaps it's the adenovirus that's shedding to the next person and ultimately relating to that. Now, there was a paper that I read last night that gave kind of a different perspective that I hadn't really, uh, I, you know, I, one of the things I've been saying is that, are we sure that this isn't some sort of a frequency? I mean, is this some sort of a, a, a frequency that's being transmitted. Could it be because of all of the 5G towers and all of the 5G things that we're seeing around? Are we transmitting not necessarily particulate matter, but are we transmitting some sort of a frequency from one person to the other? And are these shots somehow acting as an intermediary, like a, like a substation, so to speak? Are they creating something in your body? So the, a frequency from the 5G comes in and it gets like maybe magnified and sent on to the next person like it's a substation. And, and, and I, so I started talking about that and I said, or perhaps because proteins respond to vibration, maybe there is a vibration in 5G or 3G or from the person standing next to you that can be just the vibration itself is somehow transmitting and causing blood clots. So that was another um, like mechanism that we were kind of bantering around. And then last night, Somebody sent me a paper and the title of the paper is Frequency Change, A Deeper Look at COVID Vax Transmission Phenomenon. And it really does, I mean, it is sort of um, talking about perhaps these proteins are, pho are, are photo amplifying devices that have been injected into our, into our body. And that, um, let me scroll down here to the bottom. 
in that what we're actually doing is transmitting a frequency from one person to the other that maybe the person who got the shot i'll just read this to you so it comes from this article yeah. it says people who have had the shot are having their dna antenna rewired so that they receive and transmit different types of information and it locks them into this smart grid the cloud that's the foundation. I'm not saying that there's a chemical element, but when you get nanotechnology into the body and it starts transmitting a frequency, then obviously that frequency is a substance and can be picked up to, to people who are in close proximity. So that was an article. I'll actually drop it in the chat in here so you have it and you can post it in the notes of where I was reading that. So I'll, put, I'll, I'll drop it in the chat. That was the article that I was that somebody sent me last night, and that makes a lot of sense to me. And again, you know, we're three weeks into really discovering or talking about this, um, so that makes a lot of sense to me that perhaps what we are transmitting really is a frequency, but not quite in the way that I visualized it initially. But really, like the people that that have gotten these injections, their DNA, because remember that the Johnson and Johnson and the AstraZeneca shot. What is injected into your body is a little strip of double-stranded DNA they call a transgene. That's the whole purpose of the shot. It gets embedded into the adenovirus of the, it's like you take the adenovirus and you core out the genetic material of the adenovirus and you take this little strip of, of double-stranded DNA that they call a transgene and put it inside the virus and then inject that into your body. That little strip of double-stranded DNA can then do a couple of things. One thing it can do is it can immediately be incorporated into your DNA because by definition, what a transgene does is it, is it, it conveys the genetic material from one organism to another. Well, this organism that they started with is a laboratory. It's using CRISPR technology that they actually designed it and created it. And then they put stuffed it in, you know, put stuffing. It's like, like having a stuffed pepper. They stuff it inside of this chimpanzee adenovirus. And then that can readily get incorporated into your DNA. And when that happens randomly, because they're injecting 50 billion particles per shot, and it gets randomly inserted into your DNA, the, the correct term for that is um, insertional mutagenesis. So it inserts randomly and then mutates your genes. They use that technique in a laboratory when, they're, when they are studying animals, like, uh, like they're trying to develop a particular, let's say muscular dystrophy, that they really wanna study muscular dystrophy and they know that, that in children that have muscular dystrophy, it's a certain chromosome or it's a certain gene that's causing the problem. So they take that and they, they surgically, like laser insert that into certain genes inside of the animals in order to study that disease, to try to come up with treatments and cures for it. That's a very, that's in a laboratory, it's very, strategically injected. Well, this is just inject the shot and let those things go wherever they want and when they, wherever they end up in your DNA, it causes chromosomal instability. So, and if that particular cell that has that insertional insertion in it starts to divide, then by definition over time, that is gonna create a cancer cell line. And so it, that's one thing that can happen. The other thing is that little double-stranded DNA from your AstraZeneca shot can just float around out in the cytosol, which is the, the fluid out inside of the, inside of the cell that's separate from the genetic material. And that double-stranded DNA can be reverse transcriptase, can read it and create a messenger RNA with that, with that recipe on it. That messenger RNA then gets delivered to the translation factory, which is called the ribosomes. So it's got a message on the front of it that says, make a protein, make a spike protein. The ribosomes translate that into a protein. When that protein gets out into circulation, it can attach to your organs, it can punch holes in your blood-brain barrier and co corrupt genes and, and proteins in your brain, leading to dementia and ALS. It can attach to your lungs, it can go into your genes and cause a double whammy to your genes. Um, and once, or it can, you can create an antibody. So, where does that spike protein go if it's in your bloodstream? Well, let me see, can it go out in your urine? Can it go out in your stool? Can it go out in your saliva? Can it get out through your skin, particularly when you sweat? Can you breathe it out? 
We don't know. Why? Nobody's looking. Nobody's testing for it. And in fact, I just right, just I was running a couple of minutes late, uh, clipping onto your Zoom call here, because I was just ending another interview that I had with somebody, and I was saying, uh, you know, protein analyzing, identifying and analyzing proteins is a common thing that's done in laboratories, whether it's like Quest or, or um, LabCorp, which are the big two lab companies here, where if I get my blood drawn, it goes to either Quest or LabCorp to get analyzed. Well, they analyze it for albumins and antibodies and things like that all the time. I mean, it's a pretty common thing. In a chemistry laboratory, in a, you know, where they're making drugs or they're make or they're doing research you know chromatography and various different types of chemistry testings can separate proteins and then analyze them <clears throat> it's perplexing and disturbing to me that nobody's identified these proteins yet and we know that the Salk Institute came out with an article two or three weeks ago, no, that was even that long ago, maybe two weeks ago now, that they actually took the spike protein and they put it on the surface of a bubble, like, an, like a fake little bubble thing, injected it into animals and saw that that spike protein caused cardiovascular disease and a condition called um, pulmonary artery hypertension, which thickens the blood vessels that run from your heart to your lungs and is uniformly fatal. And the conclusion of the, of the researchers was, why are we injecting material into human beings to create spike proteins when we see unequivocally spike proteins, excuse me, can cause cardiovascular disease or a lung condition that can kill you? Why is this still happening? Well, then my question is, why haven't you identified what the spike protein is? And if you can identify it, can we send in samples of urine or stool or, or can you breathe into a tube or can you spit into a tube and find out if that spike protein is transmitting anywhere? We don't know. We don't know if it's pieces of the, of the, of the shot. We don't know. We're too early into this yet. We're only three weeks into this discussion. And I know people are scared and they're worried and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, what do I do about this now? I thought I was safe by not getting this shot. Well, people are scrambling as fast as they can. I mean, that, you know, the, the laboratory question, that was the call I just had before I had to you. And we, we know that there's people that are really working to identify this and they're getting shut down at every turn. They can't get the, the right supplies to do the testing. They can't get the chromatography things. And we're pr probably, we could make a, a pretty educated guess that the people who are bench laboratory scientists, PhD, eggheady types that would have access to that stuff have probably been threatened within an inch of their life. I had a conversation earlier today with somebody who way back at the beginning of this COVID stuff had a solution for it and they were shut down and told if they didn't drop it that every one of their family members' houses would be burned down. And so, you know, it's all, so we created COVID to get everybody injected. And I do now think that the, the uh, why they wanna have a 70 to 80% vaccination rate has nothing to do with protection, because they say that up front, has nothing to do with herd immunity, because they say that right up front, that this, these antibodies don't do anything but harm you, they don't keep you from getting sick. Yeah, well, now you, you with simply this, couldn't have herd immunity in, in, a, in an injection or a vaccine that I know of anyway, and I spoke to other medical doctors and they said it's just simply not possible. A lot of them don't actually believe you can have herd immunity within the population, never mind going on to an actual injection itself. So Right, it, but if this DNA is a receiver transmitter of information, it would now make a little bit more sense to me if that is what's happening to our DNA and why they were just right before COVID started, why they were in such a freaking rush to put a eight gazillion 5G towers up everywhere. And yeah. so if that DNA, so now if they can get 80% of the people injected and they're, they're transmitting things, those of us that are not injected, then I think that we need to be looking at, um, frequency blockers. We need to, I mean, we need more research before we can find a tool. We need more research to, and it doesn't have to be months and years worth, but we need more information. But so we know what it is. And if it's a certain frequency, and I use this, this, um, I'm a musician too. And so I used this um, analogy in the last phone call. I said, if we know, if you hit the, the note middle C, 
and you know what that vibration is and you know what middle C is and maybe you've, they've done research, they know that the vibration from middle C uh, disrupts menstrual cycles. Well, then they could transmit that, that middle C frequency through the 5G to all of these people who have now become transmitters to be able to put into that person. And instead of it affecting that person, it gets transmitted on because maybe there's an element of blockage in there. You know, it's, they're just, it's just a pass through to them. They're like a substation. Yeah. Now, everybody that's listened to this, please, this is all just like brainstorming and conjecture. There, I don't have any proof of this. I, don't, I haven't done anything in a lab, but we've been pretty right so far. And yeah, different I, people I are would like agree. pulling little pieces together to put it together. I would agree in, in what you're saying, um, because uh, I know you're no stranger when it comes to likes of secret societies and the, the actual people who are really behind this, you know, scam that it is uh, unfolding every day before our eyes. And because I know you grew up from a very young age around all that kind of talk. So let's say you're no stranger to that. So um, yeah, as we're just having a discussion as it is, um, it would make sense to me because in the last couple of weeks when it came out, so this is only my own opinions on it, when it started to attack the menstrual cycle, especially in women, it kind of goes, okay, and more and more came out day by day with more people are coming to me, sending me stuff consistently and saying, here we go. It reminded me, because I know when you go back to agendas and different stories, not to go back thousands of years, but we don't have to go back thousands of years. Even if you just go back to the likes of, say, Dr. Richard Day, back in the late 60s, a complete Rockefeller insider, he even spoke about things back then about what the future is going to hold. Just like Orwell, just like Aldous Huxley, how did they all know? Because they were all working and all new inside information. They know crystal ball, but they knew what was ahead and what the plans were. Same with like this, it's a deep population genocide program that is going on at the moment i know your good friend uh dr Pilvesky, like he calls it a murder weapon i would have to agree with him 100 uh, percent on, on what it is it, it's a weapon it has maimed it has killed thousands upon thousands of people across the world and the numbers are going by the day and as we know that likes the vars in the in the states i know the yellow card here in the uk but the vars many many reports have come out between one and ten percent max if reports on the actual figure so what figures we're so-called seeing official figures you can go by 10 again and if being generous if it was a 10 percent if we're not so generous we could probably multiply by 100 and we're closer to the tip of the iceberg as to what actually figures are there at the moment but it does make sense to me because if you're attacking the woman's menstrual cycle the immune system all the area itself that's another form of like hey we can inject you with something which will obviously you know can kill and maim of course we don't know a lot of governments the uk government a lot of them have admitted in the early stages still on the gov.uk website they said we don't know as to how can women produce or not produce children after taking this uh, injection so they're pretty much owning up to that in a sense like many other governments across the world so yeah i wouldn't necessarily say it's a conspiracy theory if you want to put it that way but uh i, I think a lot of it's more like conspiracy fact Exactly, 100%. I would agree with you on that, Def, most definitely, because for people who really know what's going on in the background, um, the powers that be, it makes 100% uh, sense as to what way they want to go. Because I know we spoke about synthetic at a start and all that, but this synthetic poison, you saw what the strands of it and all that going into the body, makes more sense because of obviously we're the biological human, but in time to come, they want us to be like the synthetic uh, human 2.0 is if people do massive, massive research, a lot of them will come to that conclusion and to what it is. But I know for some people listening, they might be going like, hey, this is a bit far out. But I'll get back on what we're, what we're going on about. Anyway, that's just a, you know, a thought on what it is. And that's my own perspective on what I think of years of research on all this. I know you're, as I said, familiar with those names in the background as well, the 1% and so on and so on that are there. But I know your good friend, um, Judy Mikovits, um, she's been saying about the mRNA fact of it. I think she's been saying the uh, Suleiman because a lot of people saying, oh, what can we do? What can we do? Well, we don't exactly know what this transmitting is or this transmission is first. So how can we kind of come up with something to go against it? Unless, you know, I mean, people are coming up with all the different analogies, but I mean, is there any true behind it or is there anything to watch out for? Because I know in the early stages with the vaccine or sorry, the, the injections themselves with the AstraZeneca and with the actual, you know, the, um, uh, the AstraZeneca and the J&J, and obviously you mentioned the, the Pfizer and the, um, the, the two that are basically the mRNA, the Pfizer and the Moderna. You were saying at the early stages, I remember seeing it months and months ago, actually, you were saying a lot of people are wary of the mRNA ones, the messenger ones, but you were actually shouting from the rooftop saying, actually, no, hang on, the J&J, that's, that's the one to be looking for. And lo and behold, in the blood clots and so on and so on, a lot of that has come to fruition, shall we say. <laughs> yeah, and it's... It's it's interesting when you're the person who has the crystal ball or perceived that you have the crystal ball and then it turns out to be true. Kind of like what I said about the transmission versus the shedding, you know, but, you know, thoughts are things and words have power. And 
and definitions mean something. And that's why as long as I've been involved with exposing problems associated with vaccines, which has been going on 21 years now, and oh gosh, well, well, well beyond 40,000 hours worth of research as I stopped counting a long time ago and I've done 100, you know, 640 interviews since then and thousands more hours of research and writing and building programs and all that stuff. So just a lot, it's just a, yeah. you know, thousands of hours. And, and you know, early on in all of this, I, got, I pretty much got the whole world to stop using the word immunize. Because when I first got into this, they would always talk about, I'm taking my kids to get them immunized. No, you're not. You're taking them to get vaccinated. Immunize means that, you know, by definition, you're injecting something to make them immune, which vaccines don't do. So let's call what, what you're doing is you're injecting foreign matter to vaccinate them. So you don't hear people very often, very often say, I'm going to get my kids immunized or I've been immunized. We just kind of drop that out of the, of the conversation. The other thing that I've been working hard to do and up until COVID was getting some real traction with was stopping calling these childhood infections diseases. Because when you say it's a disease, it sounds pretty scary and it sounds like, oh, you know, people could die because people die of diseases. So let's stop calling measles a disease and let's call it an infection. Because everybody's had a sinus infection or a bronchitis or a paper mm. cup that got infected. And so what happens with infections, they come and go. And in the vast majority of people in seven to 10 days, if you just take some basic care, you don't even really need antibiotics. So let's stop calling these childhood illnesses diseases. A disease is something that comes and stays. It's like multiple sclerosis. It's like ALS. It's like dementia. You know, it's like COPD. Those are diseases. They come and stay. Measles doesn't come and stay. Neither does chicken pox or rubella or pertussis or any of those things. So we were making a lot of traction with that. So this whole definition difference that we were talking about between um, transshedding, which is live virus shedding the same infection versus transmission is important. And I think that one of the reasons it's going to be most important is as we continue to explore this over the next couple of weeks, or so until we figure out what it is. And until we can figure out what it is or have some idea what it is, it, we're just jumping at straws because we're living from that fear-based place and we're gonna jump at any little whisper of something that comes along that we think that might be it. Mm. And also you know? another, another one to add to it is, as far as I know, only is a lot of the polysorbate, that toxin polysorbate 80 is what they're put into a lot of these injections as well, which obviously opens up the blood brain barrier. So a lot of these, you know, long Q-tips that they're putting, I've never seen anywhere in the world, or I've talked to a few medical professionals as well, and I've never seen any, a swab test to go so many inches up into, up into your nose. It's, 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 it, seems, it seems crazy, but not alone is it opening that, which put me on to a few weeks back, um, the terror grippers that the John Hopkins Center was, they were going on about the little drug delivery systems that they wanted to send straight into the actual blood brain barrier itself. But on top of that, then, of course, it's also affecting the, the woman's ovaries. It also having an impact on that because that also contributing possibly to what's going on as well with the serious blood that's coming out. Well, yeah, and we know that the re other reason that we think that, well, you know, that Q-tip, what, six inches is about, what, 12, 13 centimeters? So, I mean, it's long. <laughs> it's, it's long. And, you know, uh, I just spoke last weekend um, at a conference, a physician's conference in Dallas. And I said, you know, I think almost everybody in here has done like a quick strep test on somebody. You know, you have sore throat. Um, when they, they it, the, it's pretty short. You just say, ah, and they go in. And how long do they swab the back of your throat? like two seconds would be a long period of time, right? They go in and go, er, and then they're done. And then they go test it. What do they do with these tests? They skewer your nose like right straight back, six inches until it goes thunk in the back of your soft palate. And when that happens, when you read the instructions on how this testing is supposed to be done, is that you slide it all the way, not, you're not supposed to slide it up like towards your eyeball. It's supposed to go right straight back along your upper teeth. Go all the way to the back until you feel it hit in the back. Then you're supposed to turn it 10 to 12 times clockwise and 10 to 12 times counterclockwise and then let it sit there for 15 seconds. So what are they collecting? What are they depositing? And if this is the most deadly virus ever, why do we even need to be tested? If, if anybody has it, wouldn't they be home and sick? 
I mean, this, they, they conveniently developed this term called asymptomatic carrier to make everybody terrorized, to stay apart, put on a mask, wear a face diaper, and allow themselves to be tested week after week after week after week. We've caught them, you know, we, and mo a lot of people that get these tests, they just don't feel good. Are they really depositing things back in there like those little nanobots? Maybe, maybe in some of the swabs, but not all of them. Are they actually going that deep because they're actually collecting and why you have to twist it in both directions to let it sit there? Because they, when they pull it out, they really are gathering cells that are gonna be sold to the data bank to put your, you into the Human Genome Project. You know, and so the, we thought early on that this was DNA harvesting. Well, guess what? Then we caught the, the Gates Foundation owning a company that was actually doing that. With the Moderna shots now, you know, now that we're seeing these different side effects, you know, when I first started looking at this by like in December, there was one patent, one patent, which but had like 25 or 30 different versions of what this, of what this Moderna shot was supposed to look like. Well, now there's six or seven patents, and now we believe we've actually caught them uh, taking out, uh, substituting ingredients. So, you know, we're, so that means that that is another layer of proof that this is not an FDA-approved product, because as an, if it has an FDA, if it's FDA-approved, it's fixed in granite. You did all the research, you approve it, this is the way it is. You get a package insert that lists all the ingredients in a certain way, um, all the side effects, the contraindications, the age group, all these different things. And if you wanted to change one thing in that recipe of that drug or that shot, they would make you go all the way back to the beginning and redo all those clinical trials to make sure that if you trans transferred one thing out, it didn't change side effect profiles, didn't change outcomes and all these different things. That's the main reason why in the MMR shot, it's the same recipe as what they developed in 1963. They don't wanna to have to go back and retest it. It's the same, it's the reason why the whole cell pertussis vaccine is the same as they were using in the 1960s. The whole cell, that's the, the I'm sorry, that's the acellular pertussis, the whole cell shots that they still use internationally, it's the same recipe that they used in the 1920s. They don't have to go back to the drawing board and start all over again. But if this is issued under emergency use, it's my understanding, they just have to submit like a, an addendum to the emergency use and say, hey, we found something we think works better, we wanna add it to the recipe. Oh, check, okay. Yeah, exactly. Because I mean, the experiment is, you know, going on until 2023. And that's why I said to a lot of people lately, it says, oh, you're going to get experimented on this. They look at you twice, kind of going, what? Because you're expecting you to say a vaccine or something along those lines. But it makes them stop and think for a second. We just use that simple word. Are you going down to be experimented on giant queue around the corner? And they kind of think for a second. Some, some do turn back and others will like, well, yeah, I think I just better get it anyway because I'm afraid this virus, this, well, this virus has never been proven isolated or shown to exist anywhere in the world. But, and, um, and in the people that actually have it, air quotes, yeah. um, they recover 99% of the time. Yeah, yeah. So we're um, taking on all this risk, all this dastardly stuff to keep the person from getting it from having a 1% death rate. And you even see here in the gov.uk, I've done a report on about three weeks ago or there, thereabouts anyway, they came out and they said, obviously, in the, in the next wave, because they know all these planned waves that are coming up ahead, that at least 60 to 70 percent of the, the people who are going to die are not going to be me or you, the ones who don't get it, but are going to be the ones who get the two shots specifically. So, you yeah. know, talk about premeditated murder is what is going on here on, on a global scale. They're actually telling you what's going on. They've showed these papers to people who want to go down and get their first shot and their second shot. And they still say, no, that can't be true. I said, but it came off the gov.uk website. Uh, what more can I show you to prove it what's going on they're telling you the plans that's, that's laid out ahead and what's going to happen and you don't want to listen so that's what it is it's the same here with indian variants and all this you know nonsense are going on about of course it's meant to frighten people back into the masses because because a lot of people are that got the first shot i know now they don't want to go back for the second one anymore because of what's happened and this is my own personal experience of people not just watching people on you know zoom calls and chatting to people they said they're not going back and I know in the, in the States, there's certain states that they said because of the excess amount of people who won't go back for the second one, some of these you know, injection clinics have closed down and passed their, 
their injections onto other places because they've no use from them. So they won't go back. Of course, the mainstream won't tell you that, of course. But as you know, and I know since the start, it's all been based on that four-letter word, fear. Basically, fear everybody, change people's perception by the information, process out by the media, of course, and then that will intimidate people in back into their cages. So we're supposed to fully open up here on the 21st of June, according to, you know, the so-called Boris yeah, Johnson. This is just the smartest virus ever, man. It's you know, incredible. It can, tell, it can tell height. You know, if you're standing up, you have to wear a mask. If you're sitting down, it doesn't. It can tell distance, six feet, yeah. you know, it, not 10 or 12 feet, but it, that virus comes out of your mouth, goes six feet, poof, right to the ground, right? Exactly. I mean, it can tell time. You know, if it's after 10 o'clock, it's going to kill you. If it's before 10 o'clock, it's okay. It can count the number of people in the room. I mean, it can tell when there's 10 or more, pe more than 10 people. It can tell time in, in terms of um, how long people are in, like, visiting family members. It can't be more than 10 minutes because that could be deadly. If that virus can tell what kind of building it's in. Exactly. It knows whether it's in Home Depot. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's safe, but if it's flying around in your church, it's going to kill you. It can tell whether people the difference between people singing and talking. Singing is deadly. Talking is not. It can tell if you're playing a drum or a wind instrument. And now it can read a calendar. Exactly. Just what Boris <laughs> said. Calendar. Up until up until only yesterday that they announced and you can now you can hug again. I mean mainstream news, all all the papers will are you are you feeling great? Sky News and the rest and BBC, you can hug again. Thanks. I didn't know Boris I need my permission or my freedom was based and granted from permissions from you. As I I'm just doing what I, I never wore a mask since day one, never put a toxic shit in my hands, never done any of this stuff, and I will not consent any of it because you can send consent a half an inch to fascism. That's it. I just don't believe my self-respect, my health, my dignity is worth far, far more than any of this, this fashion, this satanic agenda that's going on globally, worldwide, at the core of the core. That's what really is, is happening. But I mean, you know, people are listening to that. People are, are worried now that they're not going to be let out and on, 20, on the 21st of June. And they're asking, how do you get on with yourself? I just go, I just get on with my life. It's simple. The power to know. I'm just going out. I'm, when I want to go out, if I want to go out 40 times a day, I'm going out 40 times a day. That's it. Like, And you're nearly told that's something brave and courageous you're doing. I just never thought, you know, 18 months ago, it was brave and courageous to make decisions by yourself to go out at the house and to hug your own family. But now people are waiting on the 21st of June. Of course, Boris has announced, he says, well, we'll have to see in the next couple of days now if we can open, the, open fully on this lockdown. I said, ye are worse to be listening to the likes of Boris Johnson. You can blame Gates and Fauci's. You can blame these people all day long and the Rockefellers. There's a whole list of them. But you've got to take responsibility for yourself. There is no savior coming back for you. You've simply got to take responsibility for yourself. And the power to know will simply get you out of a lot of this, this mess that people are in. We're only in it because people consented to, to the fear and the draconian measures. Do not consent, they cannot, and do not contract with these people, you know, these corporations, and just get on with your life as simple as that. Because, you know, the old saying is, the few control the many. But um, that can easily, easily be, be turned around with the, with, the, with the people power that's going through London. Even as I marched in London here last, uh, last Saturday and one a couple of weeks ago, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of us. Do you think the BBC reported? We bought London to a standstill. Nobody reported on it. <laughs> Amazing, wow. isn't it? Nobody reported on that. Um, we brought London to a standstill. That didn't get reported, of course, because um, you're the anti-lockdowners, you know, you're the, you're, the, you're the COVID deniers, all this nonsense and rhetoric that people take on board. So it's just, yeah, it, it's insane. But what is happening as far as the states go and where you are? Because everything, every little state seems to be doing its own thing over it. I mean, I don't want to ask you the question on the forced vaccination issue, because obviously, you know, from the Nuremberg Code and all that as well, because it's still in experimental phases, you cannot... Um, you know, force it on anybody. Because I hear so many people, even here in Ireland, saying, oh, well, I have to, it's because my job is that you do not have to do anything. You have control over your own sovereignty, your own your body autonomy. But what is going on there? Because to me, it feels we're going 360 um, and, and history is repeating itself. And what I mean by that is, if you go back to where I'm in the UK back in, say, 1853, go back to around then, when they came out with the smallpox and the forced mandatory law that came in here back in 1853, it feels like we're, we're on a little tiptoe back again to that totalitarianism of this kind of force, this coercion of the people into having to get it. How are you finding things in the States? Well, it's true. I mean, and I, I said that from the beginning, actually, I started talking about it about five or six years ago when they coerced, when it, they trial ballooned it in Argentina when people were not allowed to renew their driver's license or get a pass, get a passport or get her passport renewed unless they showed a completed vaccination record. And I've been talking about it for at least, I th that was five or six years ago now, maybe even a little bit longer. I said, well, that's the way they're gonna get people to do this. They're gonna take away privileges. 
because we allowed the state to grant us privileges, the, the ability to drive, the ability to get on an airplane, it's a privilege. So they're gonna take those things away from us and they'll make it much more difficult, which is the direction this was heading and it still is in a certain way, but things just happened. Let me see, what's the date of this article? May 11th, so this was just last week. There's an organization here in the US called OSHA, which, which is a federal organization that's called Occupational Safety and Health Administration. So every, um, every business has to abide, there's lots and lots and lots of rules. And everybody, every business has to abide by these rules. And it's all about, you know, supposedly about occupational safety. And, you know, some of the things OSHA does is, is good. I mean, it keeps, you know, it, 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 like businesses, if they are in the chemical industry, they have to protect their, their workers from being exposed to, exposed to chemistries and, or to, to toxic chemicals. And they do things in terms of like, so people don't fall. And, you know, there's a lot of things that OSHA does that is good. There's also a lot of things over the top that's just stupid. You know, it's like, and, they, and it's unfortunate that you have to have a federal agency spell out safety rules because people no longer have any common sense. Like, you know, <laughs> you'll see things on like, you know, refrigerator doors on the side. It'll say, you know, don't lift this. It may hurt your back or, you know, something stupid, you know. But, but OSHA did come out with something yesterday. And this was actually in a court, in a court of law. So this is, actually, I stand corrected. That's not true. But I want to read this because it's really important. It's happening here in the U.S., and a lot of people that are listening from this U.S. that are being trying to be coerced by their employers to get this shot in exchange for a job. This is what OSHA released. It says, OSHA released new guidance under a frequently asked question section on its website. The question said this, if I require my employees to take the COVID shot as a condition of employment, are adverse reactions to the vaccine recordable? The answer from OSHA said this, if you require your employees to be vaccinated as a condition of employment, then any adverse reaction to the shot is work-related. The adverse reaction is recordable. If it is a new case under whatever, it meets one of the more general requirements. And then it also says down, at, so that means that you have to report it. Further down in this ruling, it actually says, that employers who mandate the COVID vaccines are legally responsible if they kill or injure workers. And so, and we, we know here in the US, I'm assuming the rules are similar in the UK and probably all over the world because of the Nuremberg trials, that, that an employer or anybody else cannot force you to be injected with a product, first of all, against your will, Second of all, without fully informed consent. And thirdly, if that product is experimental, mm. that pro these products are all experimental. They're all issued under emergency use only. They're, none of them are FDA approved and whatever the FDA equivalent is in the UK, they're not approved there either. And so these are experimental products and you cannot force someone to participate in an experiment against their will. Many people died and were hung over that in the Nuremberg trials. And so there's been a lot of talk and a lot of whisper I'm, um, in the UK for sure. And in Germany, I mean, isn't it in Germany where they are uh, filing huge class action suits or big, 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 big suits about yes. that in Germany to try uh, to thousands of doctors and scientists against the crimes against humanity that these shots are doing uh, because thousands of people are dying and hundreds of thousands are being hurt. You know, in the U.S., we have a system called the VAERS system. It's a voluntary system. It's a, it stands for Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. They, they, they post these articles or they post these results um, pretty close to every Friday. And so as of, and they're behind, we know they're at least three months behind in their reporting system. So how bad is it really? On May the 7th, there were 4,057 reported deaths. And we know that's somewhere between one and 10% of accurate. So that could be under-reporting anywhere from 10 to 100, 100 times under-reporting. And there have been just shy of 193,000 adverse events that have been reported to VAERS. And just to put that in context for your listeners who may not know about that in the U.S., VAERS receives uh, uh, reports, voluntary reports of adverse events from any of the vaccines that are in use. So there's 67 approved vaccines here in the U.S. for children and adults. 
And so over the course of a full year, 12 months, on average, Bears receives about 30,000 reports of adverse events among those 67 approved shots. This has been 193,000 adverse events of one shot in five months. Can you think of any product in any industry in the history of man that has killed four, at least 4,000 people and have injured at least 193,000 people that is still on the market, and not only still on the market, but full court press to make sure everybody else gets injected with it too? Yeah, never heard of it, never seen before on any scale. I mean, it's it's tremendous it, what's happened at the moment. And what I've seen as well um, relating to that is, I know in Canada specifically, and a few other countries have seen it, is a lot of the shop windows, be it gyms, be it just, you know, general stores, they're putting up under windows. Basically, they're saying that it's turning turning the tables. Now, anybody who has got these injections, um, please do not enter because of our, our insurance policy basically you're going to be a liability to us and until these experiments are over in 2023 we will then review our policy is there any that kind of going on in the states have you witnessed or seen any of yourself um a little bit i've seen hmm. reports of it and like you know there may be thousands of those but not really getting reported like you were talking about your your yeah. hundreds of thousands of rally last weekend you know but there have been at least random reports of people that are saying that um there have been gyms that have said, if you enter our gym, you are not to wear a mask because there, we know that medically people that are exercising with masks on are at increased risk of, car of sudden cardiac death, of heart attacks. And so our, our, you know, we, we don't want that happening and we don't want that on our liability and our insurance. Um, we also know that people, there have been restaurants that have said masks are not allowed here. Um, I do think, and I have seen some reports of people saying, you know, um, I know there was a, a couple of chiropractors that were talking about it, went kind of viral, that said we're not going to treat patients that have had the injection. And then the next question is always, well, for how long? Well, we don't know because we don't know what it is. And if we don't know what it is, we don't know how long it's transmitted. And if it's the frequency like we were talking about, then it could be forever. And so what I see a lot of things that are going to be happening over time here, and it's already happening in smaller degrees, is I think we're going to be creating a parallel society. We're going to be, you know, those of us who are conscious about our health, are, are impacted by our spirituality, who want to homeschool our kids, want to grow our own food, want to not take these injections, are going to be developing a parallel society and creating products and things for ourselves and let the rest of the society just go its separate way, including, um, like, as you said, that, that article came from SAGE. I mean, SAGE is a big government organization. They're the modeling organization in the UK. And, and they put out a 23-page paper and said it in clear language. And if you want to check it, it's, on, it's in paragraph 32, and then I think paragraph 56. Yeah, it says yeah. plainly, um, we know there's going to be a third wave. Yes, of course, because it's fall and coronavirus and influenza come you know, around in the fall. We know there's going to be a, a, a third wave that they're going to call mutants, except the mutants are being caused by the people who've been injected. And, and the people that are going to get the sickest and end up in the hospital, 60 to 70% of people, of people that end up in the hospital or dead are the people that have had two shots. Yeah, they're telling exactly what the script is, what's going to happen. And still people are lining up around the corners. It's just, it's I beyond know. sanity at saying, some stage. I've been saying for months now that I think that, you know, people are like, oh, Dr. Tenpenny, all, everybody I know got a shot and they seem to be just fine. Well, it takes at least five months for the, the body to develop a reaction. And we're right on schedule. Look at all the side effects and the deaths that we're having now. And then they're already over here in the U.S. are already saying, oh, it's going to be the worst flu shot ever, or first worst flu season ever it's may how do they know that yeah. they're already like clinting those fear bb's into people's brains you know of course oh, it's going to be the dangling worst. that carrot oh yeah it's going to be the worst flu season ever you know the, and, and we're going to produce the flu shots early this year just because it's going to be so bad covid shot plus flu shot equals very serious health problems possibly death 
and it's amazing the flu has just you know miraculously just disappeared overnight it's, it's gone it, to, you know to my knowledge actually it's not actually gone anywhere it's just it's just gone under the new name or new alias COVID-19 that's that's right. where it's actually redesignated to but um I know you won't be one of the people that's going into the lottery we spoke just before the recording in where you were at the moment in your state because you're a nice governor over there is doing a what a five million dollar lottery I believe with something like a million, million every Wednesday for five weeks that, that, yeah that five million dollars <laughs> five people who can have show their proof of being vaccinated will go and uh we'll enter this lottery they're also giving away i think it's five i think the number is five uh full college tuition you know four years i believe at ohio state university for full ride for four years to anybody over the age of 18 that shows proof of being injected they can enter also into this lottery see to me chris all of this shenanigans just proves that they're losing yeah. That more and more people are listening to programs like this and all the other gazillion interviews that I've done and Judy Mick and all the rest of us at the head of the, at the head of the pin. Right. Yeah. And that they, I think they overplayed their hand. They had no idea that there was going to be this level of resistance and blowback. I think that they really thought like, it's going to take one year done deal, man. We get everybody injected so that we take away all their privileges and shut them down and, and do all this brutal, brutal stuff to their kids and all this other stuff. We'll get them to like shut down and then they'll behave. And then we'll usher in the transhumanism movement. We'll hook these people up to artificial intelligence and we'll depopulate about 3 billion of these worthless eaters that are farting and breathing and messing up our global warming, right? And so we need to get rid of about, about half of those. And, um, and, and we don't want them sitting, and they're gonna be all unemployed because of robotics. We don't want them sitting around like plotting to overthrow the government or something. And you know, they're just kind of worthless eaters. And so, you know, about one year, well, yeah. guess what? It, the first six months, they, it looked like they were going to accomplish something. But the longer this goes on, if we can just get, you know, my biggest concern, Chris, really, is, is how big is the, is the pool? You know, if you look at this like a, like a bell curve, and the people in this half of the bell curve never, ever, ever, I'm not doing the shot, I'm not wearing a mask, I'm not doing it, I'm not being a slave, I'm not doing that. People on this end of the bell curve are already injected. They were the first ones in line and, and no matter what the rest of their life, they're gonna wear a mask. How big is this curve remaining? How is, you know, by definition, it has to get smaller because people are either gonna go one way or the other. They're either gonna get the shot or they're not. What is the pool of people left who is our audience that we're trying to get educated and informed about what's gonna happen to them if they get this shot? I don't have a pulse on that. Do you have a pulse on that? Well, I think it's grown closer and closer by the day. Obviously, you wouldn't know it if people looked on the mainstream media. You wouldn't. You wouldn't have a clue to what's going on. But I believe in what you're saying is is correct because the way I look at things as well is you have the people who are going further and further into the coma every day. Like you said, they queued up first, they got the injection, they got the mask, so on and so on, and they're always just going to be that way. So you can't unfortunately waste your time day in day out shaking them. Even though I know it's harder for loved ones and their family members, it's even ten times more difficult. Of course, then you have the people like myself and yourself that are super awake over here and have been awake for many. many years before any of this COVID-19 nonsense came out anyway but also what you have then in that way you're coming up with that bubble curve you're talking about is the people that are sitting there in the fence and they're looking one way and they're looking the other and kind of going I don't really want to wear a mask I know it's something not quite right I don't know any of what's going on in the background kind of new to this kind of stuff I'm seeing what these people are super awake here I'm seeing what they're saying kind of kind of adds up a bit I'm and probably you're probably the same as well I'm more interested, and this doesn't sound selfish now, I'm more interested in getting the people who are there that have a, a year to, that I can lend to, basically, and say, hang on a second, look, I'm interested in you. The people that are going further and further into that coma, I give my blessings, I'm sorry, but there's nothing I can actually do about that anymore, like, because we have to kind of move on with the community of what we have to build up. I mean, me and my neighbors were trying to build like a common law community. We meet up for meets in the park every weekend. And you can see the love and affection, the hugs, the kisses, everything, everything to meet up and to go further and further because we're away from this virtual reality and all this. I mean, it's great we're doing the Zoom calls, but it's also nice to, you know, to meet people again. And there's small numbers, but they are growing as time goes on, more and more are joining every week that are coming onto this field as well. So like you say, I agree, they definitely overplayed their hands. The wheels are slowly but surely falling off those train tracks. And why they're scrampering and why obviously Silicon Valley are, are day by day getting harsher and harsher with the censorship because they are running scared. They are really, these people who are the small little core to core, 
they are frightened. They, most people mightn't think it, but they are frightened and they are running scared, like yourself and yourself, that are spreading or planting these seeds and getting them out to where the masses, wherever they can or wherever they may fall, be it Africa, Australia, wherever it lands, just so we get people more and more awake. So I think I am confident. I always look at it last half uh, full. I've always looked at it that way all my life. And um, I do think that we, uh, you know, we are power in numbers and we'll move them forward. And just look like in any tyranny that has went through history, we don't need 51%, 49%. We need less than that. We don't need anywhere near 50% to overthrow a majority so we can move forward. So for me and many others, they wanted at the very beginning, the likes of Klaus Schwab and all these clowns, they all, of course, they wanted, you know, the great reset and that's what they're on about. But I have news from, we have, we were having the great awakening. And for me personally, and many others as well have said the same thing, this is as negative and doom as gloom as it might seem to a lot of people who are not really awake and know what's going on in life and, and all that and what the agendas is, what if the activities are going on, why all this is actually happening. And it's not just some accident that miraculously happened. This is well, well planned in advance. Um, I look at it that, you know, this is the greatest opportunity for man and woman across the planet for that you will come down to the two Fs. Do you want to choose fascism or do you want to choose freedom? And I think we know which one we're going to choose ourselves. And many, many others day by day are, are coming forward as well. So I'm getting more, I'm busier now than, than I ever was um, before. Like with people inundating me with stuff and people want to know stuff and can they talk about this and can they do that? I mean, it's, it's tremendous to, you know, when you start off in the early days and now it's more and more and more people are interested. So, like you're saying, I mean, it is close. It is closing in, but I think people need to hang tight because the fear is going to get ramped up more. Just like Johnson, of course, here is doing well. The, you know, the puppet that he is—he's only a front for some of this um, stuff. He's only a script reader, so he's obviously like some Hancock and Whitty and Valance and all those people that are part of Sage that we mentioned earlier. Of course, the vast majority of those are psychologists, behavioral insights teams. That's all they are. Like, there's no real virologists or epidemiologists or very very little like i dot connected them i think it was last november and i showed all the dot connection with all the big pharma and all the gates and the foundation and all the stuff where they had with all the pharmaceutical industries and the whole i mean it goes on and on and on to to be longer than this podcast probably if to go through it all individually but just to show it's an eye-opener to show to these people you know that they're not acting independently and they're not who you actually really think they are um, but yeah, it, it's very fascinating. But to, to round up on it, I do think we're on a winner, but we have to hang tight. And people's patience, I know, are running out by the day. But the one thing is, if people can stop thinking up here, because if you keep thinking with your mind all the time, you'll always go, well, what's the consequences for me? I know what you're doing. I see what you're saying might be right, but what's the consequence for me in doing that and taking that leap? And a lot of people, most time, will reverse and they won't move forward. But if you know what's right from in here and you open this, then you will move forward because that always knows what is to be right from down here. If you open that up, you won't think or you won't question, you'll just move forward and you'll do it. And 99.9% of the time, you will be right in what you do. So I think we're, we are on a good one. And I just say to nobody, just don't lose the faith and just keep the head up and we keep moving on. This will overturn in time. And I think it is the greatest time humanity has um, you know, for full, proper freedom to avail, even though I know it doesn't sound or look like that at the minute. But I think, yes, they're definitely running scared. And um, what we're doing and information that is coming out um, at the moment. So I know to round up on it, um, can we finish on any positive news from, from, from your end of things? Or what way would you actually like to round out things? Because I know it's important you actually make people aware of the, the 20 mechanisms of injuries and that what you've actually done. I've read it myself and what you've done recently, but for people who mightn't be aware of that, I can leave a link or, or you can tell me where to get it or so on and so on if you want um, for people in the description later. Yeah, so if people want to find what we're doing and what, you know, because we've got a lot of different websites and a lot of different offerings, but it's all umbrellaed under drtenpenny.com. So it's just D-R-T-E-N-P as in Peter, E-N-N-Y, drtenpenny.com. You can find our boot camp. You can find our learning courses at Vaccine U. It's uh, there. You can find all of our social media links. You can find the links to our other webs, our main website, which is vaxter.com. And right as you get to there is the pop-up for the 20 mechanisms of injury. You can still buy if you want to listen to the follow-up broadcast or if you want to um, uh, just buy the ebook and just look at what the ebook is and with any kind of luck, you know, in the next couple of months, I'm going to have a, a book written. It's just that you know, time, it just, time just gets away from you, you know, but the 20 mechanisms of injury ebook, I mean, you can get a lot out of it. If you just, if you just want to buy the ebook or you can buy the, the whole course, you know, that's still available. That's right there. And in terms of, of what's um, a positive note, I guess the positive note is, is that more people are now awake to what's going on with the corruption in the world than ever probably in the history of humanity. 
You know, I feel like in the 20 years I've done what I've done, I've moved the needle like an inch about making people aware and questioning vaccines and stuff like that. And now with COVID, it's gone from, from zero to like 50. Like everybody's talking about it and questioning it and all these things all the time. And they may not agree, but at least they're talking about it. And I think that mo we're getting to the point, we had gotten to the point where almost everybody uh, knew at least one person that had a child that was autistic. I think we're fast approaching the time when everybody knows at least one person who's either been seriously injured or died from one of these shots. You know, and so for those that have had one shot and now they're going, oh man, what did I do? You know, I didn't, I wish I'd have known this stuff back in December, what did I do? Well, there's lots of people working furiously behind the scenes. We don't have the solutions yet, but there's a lot of people that are working behind the scenes to come up with something to try to repair your DNA and to get these spike proteins and these antibodies out of your system. We're not there yet, so keep your prayers up and your, you know, praying for the people that are working really hard, uh, putting their lines on the line every day to um, bring you this information. And and always continue to sow seeds. Never give up on sowing seeds ever because you never know which, one, which little fact is going to be the one that resonates with somebody. And you're never going to know where that good soil is and you're never going to know how long it's going to take for that seed to sprout. So you can never, ever, ever give up on, uh, on sowing seeds. Um, the next life you save may save a thousand lives. Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, I want to thank you for your time and the courageous work you're doing as well for, you know, not just in the last year, year and a half, but all decades beforehand as well, bringing stuff to the forefront. I mean, you're, you're the go-to person that many people, many, many people have said uh, globally as to, as to vaccines as a whole to go to. I mean, it's tremendous. The amount of time you put into it is incredible. And the work, I know you never stop working um, all hours of the morning, morning, noon and night. And I'm sure as soon as you get off this now, in the next two minutes, you're going to probably jump on another one. So, <laughs> Yeah, I have to make a couple of phone calls and then I've got a, a, an interview at four and one at six. So I got to scoot yeah. here. Okay. No worries at all. I just want to thank you again for your time. And um, look, we'll, we'll, we'll be in touch again, Sherry. Sounds good. Thank you so much. All no right. worries. Thanks for your time. All the best. Take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening and watching Mind Wars. Please do like, share, and subscribe. It's really, really important now more than ever that we get out this information to other people. Until next time and next episode, we'll see you then.